Gary's back, Spartan Nation, which means the Red Cedar Rundown is back. The self-proclaimed number one Michigan State football and basketball podcast you'll find anywhere out there. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Alexa. Please subscribe, like our pages, talk to us. We'll reply to you and we'll incorporate those on the show every single week we're here. And we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be recapping uh, the last game, which is against Central Michigan and looking ahead to Northwestern. But before we get into that, I have an apology. If you guys listened to our last episode, you heard my Benedict Gary prediction, predicting a loss at Indiana. And I'll admit, I was wrong on that one. You know, maybe I overestimated Indiana. Big time. Maybe I underestimated Michigan State. Big time. I don't know about big time. We'll get into that. At least in that game, no doubt. Well, we couldn't we couldn't really close them out. And that it seems to be a common theme already, uh, especially the last two games, is putting teams away, especially those who are inferior to Michigan State, which clearly I would say Indiana and Central Michigan both were. So what is the reasoning? Why are we having such a tough time closing out games? Is it lack of focus? Is it lack of confidence? I don't know. What What is holding us back, Clark? I would say I mean, the Indiana game, it's a night game on the road in the Big Ten. I wouldn't put too much into that. They gave us, us a tough time last year. We only beat them by eight. Beat them by two scores on the road. You got to see some freshmen step up. So I'm not going to put too much into that. I was actually pretty pleased with the result in the Indiana game. I, w- I will say something, and I know it's you know it's it's hard to compare apples to apples, but Indiana only beat Rutgers by a touchdown last mm-hmm. week. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. That's so. If they're on Rutgers level, I mean, we should have expected the score we saw. You know, Central is the same thing. We had the game. We were up what? We were up thirty-one to three going into the fourth quarter. Thirty-one to three. Yeah. Twenty-eight oh. points first is what game, we were up. First game of the year for me. I was actually in attendance. So we we're up twenty-eight points. Have the game in hand, and then what happens? We allow a onside kick. Allow a trick play. Sounds like bad coaching to me. That's exactly what it sounds like. How are you not prepared for an onside kick in the fourth quarter? When the trailing team's about to kick off. I mean, you got to be ready for it in some capacity. You have to be. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah, and I think... That's on I, D'Antonio. That's not on anybody else. That's on the head coach. And then after they score on the onside kick, they trot, we trot out Rocky Lombardi in the fourth quarter in a three-score game? Come on, man. That's it right there. That sums it up. The killer instinct starts and starts and ends with the coaching staff. I think we have the playmakers on our team to put teams away. I know we have the defense to put teams away. Coaches got to let the boys play. I think I see that. I mean, it's it's you you know that Mark D'Antonio has the guys ready to play every week. He's got them with the underdog mentality. But yeah, I know there's still you need to have preparation in every level, and you can't lose focus. Is it is it more of the players losing focus, or is it the coaches losing focus towards the end of these games? I mean, yeah, it was just sloppy. It was a little bit of sloppy play all the way around. Uh, I mean, the defense maybe they just you know lose a little bit of focus because they have such a big lead going into the fourth quarter. That you know I can kind of understand because I thought the defense played excellent in the first three quarters of the Central Michigan game. There's no question about that. I, I you know you just like to see a little bit more. Central's not a good football team. I, I mean, I, I I didn't like the fact that they even scored double digits in points. They weren't moving the ball at all. And then you just gave up like 17 unanswered to end the game. And it's just, 
it's just a shame to see that, especially with the injuries that we've been dealing with. You know, you want to see a little bit more, especially, you know, the backup guys, if they can get in there, maybe get a guy like Sowards a touchdown, give him some confidence, because I know he's going to be starting at least this week. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, Stewart or somebody might be out. Uh, you know, I'd like to see some guy, guy like that gain some confidence going into the Big Ten schedule. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, I think injuries may have something to do with that. You know, the injury bug is just getting worse for this team. And that's not a good thing. But, you know, there are guys that are going to have to step up. But I know specifically that blown play for the blown trick play. I believe that was Trey Pearson, who was on the coverage on that one, who was in for Josh Butler, who was also out with an injury. And he did miss that assignment. That was his that was his coverage. And he he missed the trick play. And it was a pretty much an easy touchdown for Central Michigan in that one. So, yeah, you know, maybe there is a lack of experience and, you know, that maybe, you know, if lack of experience turns a lack of focus and maybe you're not prepared and maybe overlook teams like this or, you know, a senior guy, you know, doesn't do that. But yeah, speaking of the injury bug, it just keeps getting worse. Cody White out with a broken hand. Um, I'm glad it's not. It looked a lot worse. You know, that was in the end zone I was sitting in. It looked a lot worse. It probably looked a lot worse on TV, too, from the text messages I was getting. It looked like he fell awkwardly and his hand either got stepped on or kicked. I thought he had a broken wrist when he got up. His arm was all flimsy. I'm actually pleased to hear that it's just a broken hand. I know that sucks to hear, but it's better. It's probably best case scenario for the way that he fell on it. Yeah, for the long run, it's probably uh, the best thing that we could hope for. But yeah, our wide receiver core, you know, going in for that game, we didn't have Daryl Stewart, didn't have Jalen Naylor, didn't have Cam Chambers. You know, and the other guys had to step up. Uh, Brandon, like you said, Brandon Sowards, he, you know, he had some good catches. He definitely stepped up there. Yeah. And we're, ho- you know, you can only hope that. Uh, he can only do what he can do with his physical, what he has physically that he can bring to the table. Right. And it sounds like, you know, Daryl Stewart will be back quickly, hopefully. And um, so are, so will the other guys that are out. What's wrong with Naylor? Did you hear anything on that? Uh, it's, it's D'Antonio. We're not going to hear much when it comes yeah. to specifics. Okay. Uh, although, you know, he did actually elaborate a little bit more on Josiah Scott's injury. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um. I think he has a torn meniscus or something with his meniscus. So basically, you know, they can either snip it, I think is what D'Antonio said. And then he's basically for the long term, very, you know, it's not the best scenario for his long term success. The knee can be very fragile or they can repair it. And then it's about two to three months. So it's like a scope, it's like a scope surgery or something. Kind of, like that, kind yeah. of. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not I can't elaborate too much on that. Understandable. I'm only the host of the Red Cedar Rundown, so, you know, I can only do so much. He's but, a humble uh, man. But, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it might be a little longer. It doesn't sound like Josiah Scott's practicing still. So, But there is a um, a silver lining in that. I don't know if you heard this, but basically if he still is able to play at least four games, they still can actually get a red shirt on him. That'd be awesome. So, uh, you know, that could be a little silver lining if he doesn't come back till later in the season. We'll get him, you know, toward down the stretch and then. You know, baby, but you know, at the path he's on, he could be gone early. (laughs) I thought I read he was, you know, close to practicing. I mean, I don't know what to take from that. If practicing means like lifting weights, jogging, running, probably non-contact. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's going to be back for the October stretch. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Which we just not good. Yeah. We desperately need that based on our past defense. 
But, you know, there were some promise, promising uh, things. You know, like I said, they got those trick play, that trick play at the end of the game. That was a huge uh, yardage play. But other than that, you know, our defense really stepped up that game, especially on the pass coverage side of things, even with backups playing. So that's promising to see. And I know, uh, you know, going into camp, uh, fall camp, there was a lot of talk about <clears throat> the depth in the uh, secondary. So it looked like we were playing a lot of zone coverage. I mean, we're going to give up plays you know, over the middle of the field. But I also thought that the defense, like I said, played great. The Central had three rushing yards at halftime. They had under 80 yards passing at halftime. The defense played stellar. So they definitely have something to hang their hat on with some young guys in there. Yeah, and, you know, we keep talking about the next guy up. You know, another situation where that it, it, it may be great for the rest of the season is LJ Scott and Ladarius Jefferson stepping in and getting him some carries because he has looked great. I definitely, I no question. I think he's looked much better than Connor Hayward at that game. Uh, he had uh, he had a one run where he you know cut back, showed great vision, uh, had like a, probably a nice fifteen fifteen to eighteen yard run, and ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So looks like he's playing with some confidence, and that's really good to see. And yeah, and I was actually able to watch the game even though I was in Europe, which was nice. And um, I yeah, I remember one play in particular where there was the hole, and it was you know maybe some backs may have not seen what he's seen and he hit that hole with with authority and was able to yeah like you said get up for 15 yards and that's something that I haven't seen from our backs this year especially with LJ Scott as I as I mentioned uh on previous episodes he he doesn't seem to be hitting the hole as as strongly as maybe previous years and it was good to see you know him especially with how poor offensive line was and I mean I wouldn't even say they played great that game but with the the little blocking he was getting he was making the most of it making plays and that's what we need right now especially with the offensive line being bang, banged up they definitely didn't play great they should have been able to run the ball much much better than they did against central but we'll take what we can get yeah but that's what I'm saying you know it, it could this could be something to build on moving forward definitely so. definitely um, but yeah, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens when LJ Scott comes back, what kind of, uh, how they break up the carries. And I don't know how, you know, it looked like LJ Scott was suited up. So it looks like he could have maybe played, but they just held him out cause it's central Michigan. I, I would hope to see him play this weekend if he's able to, that'd be nice. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him get back in the rotation. I, I think I'd see, I'd like to see a little bit less Connor Hayward when it comes to the majority of the carries moving forward at this point. Yeah. So, you know, we, we definitely, they threw Rocky Lombardi in there, as you said, Clark, and oh my God. they got, you know, it's central. So they were able to get some, uh, maybe some players that, you know, haven't seen the field yet, get some playing time and, and get, get their feet wet. So that will hopefully build well for depth, especially with all the injuries we continue to see. So, you know, we're going into, you know, now we're going to be starting to go into the thick of the schedule a little bit here. We're going to be playing Northwestern. Um, and then we got Penn State and Michigan after that. So looking at Northwestern, they, <laughs> you know, I, you know, the, they came out strong against Michigan this weekend. And then uh, that was, I don't know. I think they that just, has everything to do with them playing at home. Yeah. It, yeah, they came out strong. They were yeah. definitely motivated. They were amped up. Their bench was amped up. And, you know, this will be at Spartan Stadium. So this will be a different story. You know, after they scored that 17 points, their offense did nothing. They did nothing putrid. to remain out of the game. I mean, Michigan is the number one defense in the country. Overall defense, they are. So, I mean, that comes as no surprise. But I don't really know what to make of Northwestern, Gary. Yeah, well, I mean, they lost to Michigan, like I said, last week. They've lost to Akron. They lost to Duke. Yikes. So um, Duke might be ranked, though. They are ranked now, but I mean, 
Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. Sure. I mean, Akron's uh, bad. There's no question about and they, it. And Northwestern does have a two-game winning streak on Michigan State right now. Yeah, they seem to have our number the last couple of years. We had that shootout last year. Yep. Lost in, you know, was it double overtime or something like that? Mm-hmm. That was a tough, that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, we'll see how this year plays out. I expect nothing but a close game at this point. Well, at, at this point, Michigan State, that's all they seem to play is close games. So, but let's take a look at Northwestern really quick. Just we'll break down the offense and the defense. Clayton Thorson stole their quarterback. Yeah, he was a pain in our ass last year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the big thing for Northwestern is they have are struggling to run the ball significantly. And they their star running back, Jeremy Larkin, basically retired after he was di- diagnosed with cervical stenosis. So he is done for the season. And, you know, there it's definitely shown uh, since that's happened. We have the number one rush defense in America. Seeing them overall struggle on the ground has to make us feel good going into this Absolutely. game. Absolutely, but the thing that could be concerning if those yards are coming from Clayton Thorson, look yeah. how we defended Central's quarterback. Very true. We struggled like, with him. Terrible. He, the contain was not there. Defensive tackles not being able to, uh, you know, keep him inside the pocket. And uh, definitely, can't got to look out for big Kenny Wilkes. Hopefully yeah. uh, he has a monster game. And, you know, they're going to probably have to beat us with the pass game. And that's... Pretty much how you beat us right now. We're ranked 114th <laughs> in the nation in pass defense and number one in rush defense. So we're just saying, beat us with your arm. You want to? You're not going to run the football against us. I know that. There's no way they're going to hand the ball off to the running back up the middle and have any success. So yeah, I mean, what we got to do is pretty much try to not rush as many people as possible and hopefully be able to stop the run. Play a little prevent. I would say that's going to be our key to success. Um, looking at the defensive side of the ball from Northwestern, uh, they got a pretty good defense, actually. Um, yep. I think I saw something where the S&P, they're ranked like in the top 30 still. Yeah. So that's pretty solid uh, ranking. They got uh, Patty Fisher, who's you know regarded as one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten. Great name, too. Yep. Definitely an all-name guy. But on the, uh, the all-name list for the Red Cedar Rundown. And then you got Joe Gaziano. Oh, the gas. Yeah, the gas. I remember hearing his name called the Michigan game last week. Oh, that's the gas. Yeah. So, you know, they got actually a pretty good front seven there, but really where their week is in the secondary. And welcome to the club. That bodes well for us. Yeah. What? Lewerke's going to really have to show something. Throw the ball to Felton Davis. Throw the ball to Felton Davis. How did he only have three catches last week? This guy needs to do 10 targets a game minimum. Come on. Yeah, it, it it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, it's, it is it's mind boggling. He is a freak athlete, a freak football player. Why are we not having a focus of getting him the ball? He's a mismatch. He catches everything. His hands are so strong, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and you know, Lewerke did try to force a lot during that central game. He did say, he, I, I feel like he made a little bit of excuse that the receivers were being held. I think he said that. He said, yeah, he said it was a blatant holding that wasn't called in the back of the end zone. It was on the other side of the stadium from where I was sitting, but I didn't have anything to, uh, you know, be upset about as a fan from the from what I saw from the play. Yeah, watching on TV, I didn't see anything either. And again, I'm not a D1 quarterback, so his knowledge of football is probably on another level than mine. 
but I see what I see. Yeah, but I've he, got perfect vision. He did say that there should have been more pass interference penalties called than what was already called, which seemed like a high amount during Probably the game. Probably so. Probably so. But uh, you know, he leads the league, the Big Ten in turnovers right now. Yeah, I, I don't like that at all. I think he's been forcing passes quite a bit. <clears throat> and the one thing I also, you know, compared to last year, his rushing uh, ability just—they don't see. They seem to be protecting him a little bit more, which I agree with, obviously. But uh, you know that's he's such a threat in the red zone. He looked good last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah he you know he made a play and got in the end zone. He had a couple rushing touchdowns yeah, last week, so that's good to see. But the, another promising thing is you know Duke and Akron combined for five touchdowns through the air with zero interceptions. So if they're able to have success, you know you would hope that Brian Lewerke is going to have success against that secondary. Yeah, he's done better against much better defenses. So, I but agree. you know we. <laughs> That's the, we've talked about it every episode. We're going to try to establish the run. We're going to, you know, that's our game. Yeah. That's how you do it. You, mm-hmm. you, run, you control the clock. So expect a heavy dosage of running with, you know, some play action and some shots, I'm sure, over the top from Brian Lewerke. So, you know, I was, I was left very unimpressed with uh, Northwestern's performance last week, and I pretty much knew Michigan was going to come back uh, after the second quarter. It if, if felt like that, the momentum and just the way just watching each team. I felt like Michigan knew that too the entire time. Yeah. Like they were like, we're just going to come back and beat them because they're not going to score another point. Yeah. So uh, the line for this game is Michigan State minus 11 and a half. Okay. Last time I saw. Course, when this airs, it might be different, but that was the last thing I saw. 11 and a half. Yep. Oh, we're not covering that. No way. I don't think we cover that at all. I would, I mean, I would love to see us cover 11 and a half. I almost want to bet against Michigan. If we're favored, I want to bet against it almost every time. I I definitely agree with you. I'm in a pick 'em league, not the same pick 'em league as you, Gary, but we do pick five college football games every week. And I did pick against Michigan State covering 28 and a half. I thought that was. Just on the spread, <laughs> easy. I'm not the one that predicted them to lose to Indiana. That's not me. That's you. Okay, go look in the mirror. Grow up. It was very obvious we weren't going to cover 28 and a half. It's not as obvious we're not covering 11 and a half, even though we're not going to do it. Spartans 24, Northwestern 17. Wow. And me and Clark do not discuss our picks before this, but my pick is almost exactly the same. I almost want to change it because I want to seem Stick like with it. Don't change it. Okay. So my pick is actually 24 to 14 Michigan state. So only a 10 point victory. So yeah, I don't have them covering the spread that field goal at the end of the game from Northwestern. But yeah, I just don't see us. I mean, Northwestern's, like I said, they got a good rush defense and you know, they, they held Michigan pretty much uh, contained, you know, I think it will be Michigan state won't be able to get over 30 and you know, they haven't really been able to <laughs> yeah. do that at all this year. So they did last week, but they didn't score in the fourth quarter. It's terrible. Yep. So horrible. I mean, if looking out for the rest of the season, you know, the Big Ten is actually starting to kind of come together here. You know, the top is still pretty much intact, you know, especially after watching the Penn State, Ohio State game. They are definitely the class of the Big Ten. Ohio State being the class. Yes. As you heard from me. I mean, Penn State looked really good as well. They uh, actually looked way better than I thought they were. So I definitely had no clue what I was talking about when it comes to them. Yep. So they're still going to be a very tough team. And that's going to be a very tough game for Michigan State uh, two weeks from now in Happy Valley. So, yeah, with them being the class of, of the conference, it seems they seem to be on another level than I would say Michigan State and 
maybe to a lesser extent Michigan that was a worrisome game to me because they were their players were making plays I feel like our team can't make right now so you know maybe we are playing for only third or fourth place but you know let's see where we go from here let's see where you know I think the Penn State game is going to be a great test for us because really we've you know we've been favored in every game we've played so far so we will not be in that game obviously yeah and you know that's when you see Michigan State at its best when they're the underdog so I'd like to see uh, our team put in that situation and see how we respond. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I do think Northwestern should be uh, should be an easy win, relatively speaking, for Michigan State. I mean, yeah, and seven points is like an easy win for us these days. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. But, you know, I think uh, we've had some feedback from some of the some of the Red Cedar Rundown fans out there about some more basketball talk. And so we, you know, we got a big commit about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Big time commit. Pretty big commit. Rocket Watts out of Spire Academy in Geneva, Ohio, formerly from Detroit. He transferred down there for his uh, final season. He's six foot two, roughly. He's got a killer step back. Uh, The kid is an explosive scorer. I think something that we've been missing on the wing from, you know, point guards and shooting guards up to this point in the last three or four years. Definitely excited to see him. And I'm hoping that it creates a domino effect here moving forward. Uh, because I know we got a lot of other guys on our watch list. We Big talked Vern. about Big Vern. I, I mean, would, I mean, I certainly wouldn't hate it if we got Vernon Carey. I think it's probably only going to be you know three guys in the class. So you know, I think we should expect to hear some news hopefully in the next couple months with a couple guys joining on uh, to this class with him. And yeah, I think uh, Midnight Madness is coming up here this weekend. So, you know, we're getting right into the swing of the basketball season. Uh, November 6th is the Champions Classic against Kansas. So we're like a month away from basketball. So you're going to start hearing a lot more here. I mean, we should be starting to get pretty pumped about this year's team. Still high expectations. So, you know, you're going to hear us breaking down uh, more and more of that as we approach uh, that first game. Expect a full scale preview episode. (laughs) Incoming. Full scale. Full scale incoming. Yep. So with that, we're going to get in actually to our mailbag questions for this week. And I first of all want to shame all of our Red Cedar Rundown listeners for our lack there of mailbag questions this week. Shame. Um, you know, we got some, but not what I was expecting. So I, I, you know, I did take a week off, so I understand maybe there was a lack of interest this week, but I need you guys to step up. So I'll be looking at you guys next week. First question here is going to definitely come from our self-proclaimed number one fan of the podcast, Joe Salty Dog Valancourt out of Colorado. He wants to know if, hey, Gary, was Oktoberfest really worth not having a week for a podcast? You know, it, it did really bum me out, and I know a lot of people were giving me shit about not being there, but let me tell you, Oktoberfest was awesome. My trip was awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world except maybe a week four of Red Cedar Rundown. That may be the only thing I would trade it for, but just inched it out just by just by hair, so... Nobody can really blame you. I mean, Oktoberfest <laughs> definitely was a better call. I would have gone 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> and, and I will say this. I stayed up even uh, the night before Oktoberfest. I stayed up till three in the morning to watch the Michigan State Indiana game. Like a true fan. And I watched and the true Spartan. And I watched the Central game as well. Respect. Uh, so yeah, respect. We have another one from Joe. He is saying, Lewerke's pitching ability, will we see more and more option-style run plays? How do you guys feel about a high-risk, high-reward type of approach with an otherwise weak-ass run game? Gary? 
you know, and I, I did bring that up about Lewerke's lack of running this year. And, you know, that is it's high risk, high reward. Exactly what it is, because you want to protect him. You don't want him to get injured. The one uh, the one drive they threw in Rocky Lombardi, I was not impressed. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, how how solid of a, a backup we have in the wings. But I think, you know, Lewerke is a big part of our team and save that bod. Yeah. You want to say that, but, you know, but you know, if that we got to, you know, I don't mind throwing it in once in a while, but I just don't want us to rely on that solely. And Lewerke still has a great arm and he just needs that. to freaking cut back on those turnovers. That's yeah. I agree with you. I don't, I don't want to see us turn into a speed option team full time when this isn't, uh, you know, Eric Crouch, Nebraska. I want no part of that. I mean, especially, I guess the one thing, you know, with high risk, high reward, the one thing that's kind of leading me down the path of not, like you said, not doing it all the time, but mixing it in is the fact that he's been turning the ball over at a pretty alarming rate this season, leading the Big Ten in that. So I think it is necessary to mix into the game. I don't think it needs to become a major part of our game because I think a lot more, a lot worse, you know, bad things can happen than well, and good that, can come from it. Yeah, and that's what I was going to actually say is, you know, he's. it seems like there's been maybe a lapse in his decision-making. Yeah. So you, do you want him to have to make more decisions? Because, you know, you have to make a decision about keeping or tossing it with the option. Keep it simple, Lewerke. Keep it <laughs> Keep simple. It simple for him. Throw the ball. Felton Davis. Just look at him the entire time. Throw it to him. He'll catch it. Last question coming in from Jim C. in Canton, Michigan. May or may not be related to a member of this podcast. Neither can confirm nor deny that. But he's wondering why Michigan State has not been able to utilize the tight end in the offense this season. And do we think that they will moving forward? Gary? Yeah, uh, this is it seems like, you know, I've noticed that we have really, you know, we have some good tight ends. Allegedly, <laughs> we've had good uh-huh. recruits, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, you know, Sokol seems to be, I guess, the number uh, one guy. Is which, he? Who is he? I don't yeah. I Do mean, I even know who he is. He, I don't even know what number he is. Yeah, I think he's 81. But um, his hands just he just doesn't seem to be a sure handed tight end. And that's something that Michigan State has always had is that. That guy that can kind of count on, um, you know, the great tight ends that have gone on to play at the NFL. There's numerous of them. So, you know, I think we definitely need to incorporate that a little bit more, especially on those, you know, maybe uh, power set play action pass the tight end. I I think that's a play that we haven't really seen a lot this year. I agree. I mean, I'd like to see him mix it in a little bit more in the red zone. You know, we went uh, spread on the one yard line last week, which is insane. If you're going to do something like that, throw a ball to the tight end in the flat. I mean, do something. I think Spartan fans are a little spoiled, though. Uh, like you said, we've had some great tight ends in the past. You know, obviously the Chris Baker, you know, legend. We had Josiah Price. He was the most recent legend, and he was a legend. Had some big-time touchdowns for the Spartans over the years. Who could forget the one in the Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State to take the lead back? But I, like, agree with you. You know, Sokol, obviously not the answer. Guy to keep an eye on moving forward. Probably not this season. He probably is going to be redshirting. But I think moving forward, Trenton Gillison big recruit we got out of Ohio last year. I would expect him to probably redshirt this season, but I think he could be a big time threat moving forward. You know, we've had to do things a little differently this year, it seems, just based on our offensive line. So, you know, maybe that's a reason that, you know, maybe blocking really, in general. Really good point. They could be keeping them inside for max protect because we just do not have the line to when the team blitzes or even if they're just doing a standard rush to, uh, you know, risk putting a tight end out there. That's a really good point, Gary. So with that, that's going to wrap up our fourth episode preview in the Northwestern game. 
We will be back next week to preview the big Penn State game and recap hopefully a Northwestern win. Once again, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Alexa, and we will keep churning these episodes out for you in Spartan Nation. So thank you for listening again. And as always, go green, go white.